0: bold would you believe it that sums it all up hello and welcome back to another episode of the brand new football podcast that sums it all up hope everyone is faring well it's december it's winter it's getting colder and darker at least Arsenal are providing us with that oh-so-wonderful relief we all need. Well, not quite. In any case, before we get started with today's show, quick reminder that, as per usual, each episode of That Sums It All Up will be uploaded and will be available to listen to on my Mixcloud, as well as Fresh Air Radio's website. You can also find another podcast I partake in, Fresh Air's very own sports hub, weekly sports show discussing and dissecting the week's biggest footballing matters. In any case... On with today's proceedings, we will, of course, be focusing our attention, unfortunately, or fortunately, depends how you look at it, on Arsenal's 2-1 home loss to Wolves. There's certainly plenty to reflect upon, to question, perhaps to start worrying about, but my guest and I will we'll, we'll go further into that. But looking at the glass half full, a result in a performance such as this inspires plenty of conversation, plenty of talking points, and as... Arsenal football fans—that's what we're all here for. At the end of the day, it would be—it would be rude of me not to to uh, introduce our guests, nice and early on in proceedings. So I have the pleasure of working on yet another new guest to the podcast. He's a massive Arsenal fan. Always got plenty of inside intel and plenty to talk about. So, without further ado, further ado, welcome onto the show, Mr. Freddie Kramer. Hello there, Freddie. How are we today? Hello
1: there, Alf. Uh, very good today. Nice, uh, crisp, bright morning. Uh, ready to get uh, into get into the, the uh, nitty gritty here.
0: Yeah, it is, it is a case of getting into the nitty gritty. Well, thank you for joining me on the podcast today. I know, look, m- many people uh, would would prefer not to not to choose to to come onto a podcast, especially at the moment, given given the state of affairs at Arsenal. But you know, as I said just now, I think there's plenty to talk about, and so perhaps podcasts at the moment and talking about things. When you're feeling pretty pretty upset and and disgruntled with proceedings, I think actually the best way of dealing with that sometimes is is just thrashing it out, getting it out there in the open. So um, yeah, as I say, thank you for joining us today. Um, just before we get stuck into it, how was your how was your weekend in general? Bar Sunday evening, of course.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, it was. Uh, had a very good weekend. Uh, sat down Sunday, full of optimism. Brought the boys mm. round. Watched the Spurs game first. Saw a nice nil-nil draw there. Mourinho, back on his double-decker bus and uh, sat firmly in front of a uh, uh, in front of the Matthew Harding there at Chelsea. Um, <laughs> and then you know, full of options for the Arsenal. They go one. Uh, yeah, well, we'll get into that in a moment. But it was a good weekend. Uh, nevertheless.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and. I think to be fair, it's always nice these days, especially given that you know we're 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 not doing much at the moment. Both you and I are, are being very very careful and wise and staying home and saving lives and all the rest of it. But the fact that there's plenty of football on is great. You know, you can sit down on a Saturday. I mean, my Saturday was lovely. I go on a nice nice little run down the local canal, come back and see see Liverpool play, and then you watch City play, and then. You know, if you want to, you've got, what was the 5.30 game? I think it was Leeds, Everton, was it? Yeah, yeah, I watched um, that one,
1: actually, yeah.
0: Can't, can't say I stayed on for the uh, for the West Brom Sheffield United, but I'm sure it was an excellent game.
1: <laughs> I did, as a matter of fact, actually. I saw a young, young Connor Gallagher there, uh, nick a winner, and you've, you've, you've actually really got a question, Sheffield United. I love Chris Dude. Wilder more than the next guy. Uh, I've never <laughs> seen centre-halves go that high up the pitch before, like Chris Basham does, but...
0: Yeah, you know, yeah. There, there
1: is something not quite right there. Well, at least someone well, else is in familiar situations than us. <laughs>
0: yeah, well, exactly. And to be fair, to you know, just, just before we get on to Arsenal, let's talk briefly about the games. Uh, West Brom getting a win, massive for them. Fulham yesterday, yeah. and I think, surprising everyone getting a win against Leicester, f- fully deserved, might I add. And I think everyone's earmarked Fulham and uh, West Brom to go down, and they might still, but good to see them both get wins this weekend against against, you know. Relatively tough opposition, I know. Sheffield United aren't really classed as tough at the moment, but you know, gr- good on them. Never an easy um, game in the Premier League. Never an easy game in the Premier League, as we're finding out at the moment. But um, look, let's 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 start getting into it. I think it's important today because you know, having having been as as you are as well, being a a big Arsenal fan you'll be on Twitter no doubt be on all the social media platforms you know we've got our Arsenal Arsenal talk chat on on Facebook as well and it's it's very easy and rightly so to be able to well catastrophize but also draw draw into the bigger picture of of what's going wrong at Arsenal for the moment and you know this is a conversation that that, that we'll get into but I think it's really important to to talk spend a bit of time analyzing the game itself and I think it's important to focus our attention primarily on our performance on Sunday and then seeing where the conversation goes from there, because I think we'll be able to pick up on the on the broader issues at play, at least on the pitch, from our analysis of the game. Just a just a side point. I mean, I've made this point to a few people and they sort of tell me to, to shut up, but I think actually it's becoming quite valid. 7.15 kickoffs on a Sunday at home on Sky Sports <laughs> don't really seem to be the one. Three home losses in a row. Um, I, I remember, actually, there was a point, I think it was 2014, where we'd have these 12.30 or 12.45 kickoffs early on a Saturday yeah, on a morning. Saturday,
1: Saturday morning. And we lost
0: 6-0 to Chelsea, 6-3 to City, 5-1 to Liverpool. And I started to think, it must just be the, uh, the scheduling, because otherwise, well, you know, it's not, it's not that Arsenal are a bad team, but clearly it's got nothing to do with that. Anyway, I'm going to pick your brain, first and foremost, um, if we swing it right back. If if we are imagining putting ourselves back in, the, in in the shoes of someone who hasn't seen the game, uh, how we'd like that to, to be the case, and we could forget about anything that happened. But what did you make of the starting eleven? Um, you know, Willock was in there for the second time in a row. Bamyang through the middle. Um, no Maitland Niles in the squad, which I thought was quite interesting. But did you have any thoughts about the starting eleven initially?
1: Um. Well, hour before kickoff, starting 11's released on Twitter um I'd say no no real surprises no real surprise in there you you assumed after the Leeds game he was gonna he was gonna stick with the back four um you know against Leeds and this differs this differs based on who I speak to I thought if Pepe stayed in that game we probably could have nicked the points at Leeds um so I like the back four I thought Leeds Willock went missing a little bit so it'd be nice to see him get another chance and Try mm. and make those penetrative runs through the channels that he does in a, in a midweek game mm. against arguably a Leicester opposition. Um, a bamang through the middle where, well, funny enough, everyone calls for him to play down the middle, but I think we forget that he got 30 goals last season hanging on that left-hand side, although isolated. Mm. Um, you know, it was everything I expected to see. Arguably could have said maybe a Nelson for Willian or, uh, um, or Ainsley mate in the Niles for, for Hector Bellerin, but I don't think any large-scale changes um, yeah. midfield you know is that the best midfield we could have played yesterday probably probably right um, no Thomas Partey he's out till January as well I was reading the other day which <laughs> doesn't you happen really to get see worse it, than that
0: the latest toll of the AFC bell uh, on Twitter really oh, really giving us all that juicy intel
1: <laughs> I have as well that um, Thomas Party injured for 28 days whilst playing for Atletico Madrid comes over to Everett it must be something in the air here uh, was he six weeks he's out for or something ridiculous like that mm. um, you know and he's the most influential player he's only played three games but yeah uh, the, the formation didn't particularly surprise me the back four what about you what did you think about that the shape that was going on there
0: I know as you say I wasn't surprised I thought you know the 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 back four at the moment I mean I think you know, David Louise coming in made sense, and we'll get on to David Luiz because there's definitely a discussion to be had about the incident that happened in the first opening five, 10 minutes. Uh but yeah, the back force picked itself. I think also with you know, who else are you gonna play but Shaka and Sabayos at the moment without Partey and El Nenny fit? Uh was El on the bench? I think he might have he
1: been. was on the bench, but he just recovered from COVID. You, yeah, like, so maybe you know
0: that's that's probably more just because there was no one else. Uh yeah, I think look, I'm, I'm all right with, with Aubameyang down the middle. I think we've all been crying out for that. And I think we're also realising mm. that maybe that's not exactly the the biggest issue at play. Uh, Saka is a, is a no-brainer at this point. And, I mean, Willian, yeah, I guess, you know, you, you, you don't want to start both of Willian and Lacazette at the moment. And clearly... He thinks Willian merits start at the moment, especially in Pepe's absence. I think if Pepe's not suspended, I don't think Willian's starting at the moment, so he can consider himself pretty lucky. But the only issue I'd take with it, and maybe this is more in hindsight, is that given how, I mean, the, the biggest bone I have to pick with with our performance at the weekend was was our midfield. And I, I don't think it's anything new. I think it, we're just incredibly limited and we know what to expect with Xhaka and in midfield. Having said that, I think they perform better as a two and I know Willock was playing and it was sort of more of a number 10 and I sort of regard him as more part of the attacking proceedings than the midfield. But I think when you play Xhaka and Ceballos, you need to have a back three because I think they're far too one dimensional, far too slow, far too... You know, pedestrian, and so when you play them as a two, like we saw at the back end of last season, and 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 they were pretty effective in that sense. We saw Sabias, and I don't know, Sabias looks a testament. Well, not even testament. That sounds like I'm being <laughs> being sort of positive towards him, but Jacker, I think, has has shown his his you know the things that we really sort of don't like about him over the last few games. He's looked so like the Xhaka, that we don't want to see on the pitch. And to be honest, Sabio's hasn't looked much better. They both look so slow. You know, they've not got the legs. They've not got the athleticism or the dynamism. And so when we're off hand as force and we have to play those two in the midfield, I think you just have to play it back three and go back to what we know. And I know everyone's been clamouring for a sort of change of system and a more attacking impetus. But I just don't think at the moment without Thomas Partey you can't play a midfield sort of, I don't think you can play a back four at the moment because it just doesn't work. But yeah, look, before the game, I had no issues with it. I thought that's sort of what I was expecting. I think, look, you get, everyone's sort of been crying out for Willock. and I think he deserves his chance. I don't think he's been able to make much of an impact, um, but that's more of a testament to our sort of malfunctioning attacking sort of setup. Um, but look, there's only really one place to start, as I said, um, the David Luiz and Raúl Jiménez incident. Um, fortunately, I don't know if you've seen this morning, this Tuesday morning recording that Jiménez has released a statement saying he hopes to be back on the pitch soon. So, look, I'm hoping yeah. he can, yeah, because you know you think back to to the likes of Ryan Mason, who I think suffered a fractured skull, and you know yeah, that was did, it yeah. for his career. So it would be a real shame to see that happen for Jiménez. But but is there anything you you made of is there anything to say for David Luiz remaining on the pitch? Um, did you? How did you? Yeah, how did you view that?
1: Um, I thought his the blood going down his bandage was replicative of the home sh- uh, the away shirt that Leno was wearing, which I like that they obviously coordinated that.
0: Terrible, uh, I thought that he was wearing that. Can I just <laughs> say?
1: <laughs> um, I thought it was it was somewhat irresponsible. I mean, when you when a player, you know, Raul Jiménez was down for ages, but even David Luiz was still. Mm. I maybe wasn't knocked unconscious but the man was on the floor for a good couple of minutes and I think I think it's too big a risk to take in the modern day um, as I mentioned to you earlier before I was, I was listening to Talk TalkSport uh, speak to Martin Keown about head injuries and, and that sort of thing and he said someone in his family suffered uh, he cl- suffered closely with dementia and he's seen what it does mm. to people and then he said even to the end of his career from heading the ball not, not necessarily the, a floated cross or anything he said you know, when someone really drills it in and you've got to get your head on it, he said he'd have double vision towards the end of the game. And I think it's something that's not really looked into as much. Sort of the the not as much the mental, but the the physical, yeah, yeah mental yeah. Uh, mental challenge to to players and things. I mean, as it's seen this season, they're sort of just treated like uh, objects in the Premier League. You know, we're coming up to a massive, busy winter schedule where you know the German FA will. Say to all the players, you know, take a week off, have a break, and we'll come back. You know, doing the best for the best for the players. Whereas I think mm. the FA here is more like we doing the best for the sport. Um, I think David Luiz should have come off. Uh, who who was on the bench? Who, who was it? Bobby Holding.
0: Well, you know, Rob Holding came on at half time, and yeah, uh, sorry, it was
1: Rob Holding, wasn't it? Of course. It wasn't.
0: I, they said that it was because of the blood and he couldn't head the ball because of the bandage. I, mm. Not yeah. that it was funny at all, because it's a very serious incident. But you know, when they were wrapping David Luiz up it just didn't work because he's obviously got so much hair. I was just like, this isn't going to work. And he did, you know, as you say, I I think there has to be a a more stringent sort of protocol in place because I don't doubt that they did the right tests that that, that the Premier League specify in terms of like testing whether he's, you know, concussed or whatever. But as we know, you know, concussion can sort of come in to kick in to play sort of two days after the event. And Mm. I think it does need to be a case of, look, if a player suffers a head injury, maybe you just don't take any risks and it's enforced that you have a free substitution. It doesn't count for your three subs. And someone makes takes that decision out of the hands of both the player to decide whether he's concussed. Because I think the natural instinct of a player is to, when he's asked these questions, he knows, if he can knows what the answers are, is that really a reflection of whether he's concussed or, or not? I think it, it just needs to be taken out of the hands of both the player and the manager and, and the respective clubs and enforced. Because as we saw with Jimenez, that was a pretty serious injury and um yeah David Luiz well if he comes off at halftime anyway and he, he looked a bit sluggish afterwards anyway I'm not surprised yeah, so him. yeah as you say I think you know the wider context of players perhaps and teams not being given the um the necessary yeah sort of leeway and and room for yeah given the the intensity of the schedule at the moment you think you know, five subs. Why is that not in play at the moment? You think? Well, head injuries at the moment as well. Maybe that needs to be a, a, injuries a free in general. sub. Injuries in general, injuries of, uh, and you know, there just needs to be more of a scope of of showing that the the league are doing more to help the players and the managers deal with the with the intensity of of the schedule at the moment. But yeah. Obviously, we're we, we sending our thoughts to uh, Jimenez and Wolves and hopefully yeah, he can exactly. be back on the pitch soon and, and there's no long-term damage because it, it really was a, a sickening sound. You could hear it on the TV sure. and, and, you know, you could tell from the players that everyone was pretty disturbed. Um, but look, I, as much as I want to I talk about that as an isolated incident, I don't want to sort of even comment on that in terms of looking at the game itself. But, you know, when injuries like that happen... And given Jimenez's importance to Wolves and, you know, they're bringing on a kid, albeit a £35 million kid from, you know, signed from, was it, ben, was it Porto or Benfica? I can't Porter, remember. I think it was. So, yeah. Um, you sort of, I don't know, I was expecting Arsenal to maybe be like, well, you know, if we, for example, lost a Bamiyang, and not these, you know, very <laughs> talisman <laughs> at the moment because he's not in the game, but, you know, that has an effect on the game and you think maybe Arsenal will come back on the front foot and Wolves are a bit sort of shell-shocked, but... It almost looked the opposite. You know, Wolves seized the initiative. They went one nil up in the 27th minute cursive Pedro Neto's strike. Um, so let's just go into the to the first goal because I've watched both. I've watched the two goals. We can see the back quite closely a few times. I've got quite a bit to say, so I wanted to see what you thought of them. But if we just go back to the first goal. So the ball was played out to Adama Traore out on the right hand side, mm. and we know what Adama Traore is going to do. Um, there's this conception that he's a perception that he's just not very good, but he's always just so effective. So I don't really understand, you know, even Tierney, who's a very competent left back. I remember playing Wolves, I think last year or year before, whatever. And Tierney just gets skinned when, when Traore takes it down the line, as many fullbacks do. You can't, you know, you can't get close to him. He stands up a lovely, lovely little ball. Leno, don't really know what he's doing. So clear to, <laughs> so near to his near post. I'm really quite, quite sort of confused as to what he's what he's playing at and then you know Dendonka sort of arrives late in the box completely left alone by Ceballos crashes a header into the bar and Neto sort of reacts quicker than anyone to to sort of stab it home um what did you make of that first goal given that it also came you know quite quite easily for Wolves um 27th minute was there anything that stood out for you or are you or do you think perhaps I'm maybe being a bit too cynical
1: um, I'm going to sort of go back to the start and uh, go back to where Wolves set up. Um, I've yeah. been recently one of the first to say that um, Nuno Spirito Santo has no tactical versatility and how wrong was I to, uh, on the weekend? Um, you know, the man who's more known for his back five than looking like a Nathan Redmond lookalike, almost uh, to an extent. <laughs> but, um, um, you know, I've never seen them set up in anything different. They set up in a back four. I thought, I thought, all right, maybe they're here for the taking today. A back four, vulnerable on the defence. They've got some good players in there, but they used to play better as a three. Um, yeah, how wrong was I? Um, no Ruben Nevers in the starting lineup as well, which was a big shout from from Nuno. Mm. Obviously, the young kid coming on up front, you know, Arsenal defenders surely got to think they've gotten for the taking here with a new kid coming on. The players uh, seeing such a bad injury to Raul Jimenez and, you know, you know, maybe a sort of a shell shock. Um, uh, you know, Troy. <laughs> It's funny enough, he does the same thing. A lot. He gets a lot of criticism, but he does one thing and he does it so well. He, he could take mm. it past anyone in the world, knocks it round them. You know, obviously there is critics about his delivery and his final ball. But, you know, he's, he's taken Tierney for a ride there, uh, knocks it up at the back post. Then um, Donka running in. I, I personally thought it was Louise that picked the wrong man up. I think he went towards the front post, Louise, and left him. But obviously it could have been Sabas as well. Then Donka mm. header out. And You think you know he hits the ball from the header, it's you know, oh, it's a lifeline. Players react. Um, yeah, there was no reaction, nothing. I think Bellerin tried to come in and block. Um, and it was it was far too easy for Pedro Neto. I mean, he he it's hit Bellerin off a deflection off to Gabriel. It was a classic Arsenal, scrappy goal to concede. Mm. Were we surprised at the time? <sighs> we had a bit of possession, not particularly. Um, I think when you play against a midfield two of Sabayas and Jaka you feel like you've got the beating of them already at the moment. Um, yeah, as you said, I think they were better in a back follow or back three. But I feel like it's um, the fans demanding of attacking football from Arteta. And the natural progression for him was to, was to go from a five to a four, extra man in the middle and see what we can do here. And it hasn't worked. Um, I personally think that how we play was too one-dimensional after that, mm. after that goal. You know, you want to see a reaction from the players, make something happen. You know, I'm I'm re- I'm remembering the years of Wenger, we'd you know, we conceded a goal, we'd sit on the edge of their box playing intricate one twos, just trying to find a way forward. I feel like oh. we're so deep at the moment. <laughs>
0: yeah. We to be not we, so did, to, be fair, we did, to, to be fair, we did we did respond straight away, but yeah, I know what you mean. Um it wasn't
1: the sort of goal we uh we usually score, no, which I'm, it wasn't. I'm happy that Gabriel got it. I think he's our uh <laughs> <top> um <scorer. laughs> Yeah,
0: it's, uh,
1: I think he's, he's our, our joint, joint, joint top scorer.
0: scorer. He is, He scored two goals. actually scored two goals as well.
1: I don't think we signed <laughs> him for his goal-scoring uh, acumen, yeah. but, well, I think it's always a bonus. Um, good ball from Ann as well, which was mm. somewhat surprising by his current form. Um, and then as soon as that goal's gone in, I thought, oh, it's a turning point. It's, you know, that'll reinvigorate the side. Let's, let's really push on here. And, uh, <laughs> well, let's just say that didn't quite happen, did it?
0: Yeah. Well, look, before, you know, I just want to, and I, I've suggested this already, but I've, I've looked, I've, I've falscenically analysed the um, the two goals that, that we conceded. And there's there's plenty of things I don't, I don't like about it. And look, I don't even think it's, you know, you can criticise Arteta at the moment and, and rightly so. We're not, we're not performing in a way that, that is, you know, identifiable in an attacking sense All the defensive sort of strength and, and, Solidity and and discipline seems to have gone out the window actually over the last couple of games and that is quite worrying. We're looking really vulnerable, you know, in the transition. You know, I remember when Junbo came in last year after Emery was sacked and he was saying we need to stop these transitions from happening because we were just so easy to sort of penetrate with the likes of Xhaka and Sabios and you know these slow slow midfielders. But for me, you know, the ball gets played out to, to Triore in the in the you know, in the first instance, and immediately my mind is thinking Tierney's isolated against him, and as good a good a player as Tierney is, you can't expect him to to stop the cross from Triore. Saka's caught further up the pitch, and this is where I think you know against Wolves, as much as I think you know it's understandable that we went with a back four. I think when try when you know Triore is there, I think you need to have two men on him when when mm-hmm. when he's in possession. You need someone to go out to him, i.e., a Saka or a Maitland Niles, who you know. When, when we think about last season, you know, we beat Wolves 2-0 at Molyneux, Maitland-Niles yeah. played left wing back and he was absolutely brilliant. He he had Trior in his pocket. He's, a, he's probably our best one-on-one defender. He wasn't even in the squad today and I think, you know, something, I don't I don't really know what's happened to Maitland-Niles. He sort of gone out of question, gone out of the picture again. Maybe it's an injury that he wasn't in the squad, but he doesn't get a look in really. And I think maybe at, this sort of game, as much as we want to be the, the people to sort of set the tone, you can't ignore someone like Adama Traore, especially when you've got Sabias and Jacko are so immobile in midfield, someone like Maitland-Niles to step in and, and push out. And I think, you know, if you have Maitland-Niles or Saka to, to, to sort of go out to meet Traore in the first instance, and then you have Tierney as the second line of defence, because as soon as Tierney gets beaten, then the ball comes in. Then I think, look, I don't, Maybe I'm maybe I'm sort of looking at it too too specifically, but I don't really know what Leno's doing. You know, the Triore gets to the byline. It's very obvious that he's going to stand up across to the towards the back post. Leno's caught at the front post, and from that point, he's caught scrambling back into the middle of his goal. He slips, um, and then he's sort of rushing back in. He can't get his get his you know find his footing. The other issue I have <laughs> is Ceballos running back. He is with Dendonka as as Triore gets the ball and he just completely leaves him alone, which then forces Bellerin to come inside and take Dendonka, leaving Pedro Neto sort of free. Um, and then Sabios again doesn't pick up Neto once that once Bellerin's t- pick, pick, picked up Dendonka. Then obviously Leno's slipping, Neto reacts quicker than Sabios, Bellerin and David Luiz, like you say. I think it's sloppy defending as i say i think the biggest issues i have with that i really don't like Leno's positioning and just the tone it sets from him slipping and sort of fumbling around on the floor you know he he arguably could maybe get a save in at some point if he if he's in the middle of his goal sort of you know on his feet so bio's i think is it's really poor defensive awareness um so yeah that's my that's my rant over but as you say going on to the second goal sorry oh yeah the second goal in the game sort of a goal I guess technically it's a goal from open play which is great but it was still (laughs) basically from a corner a great header though from from Gabriel take nothing away from him and I think if anyone deserves to score or or be to be um always deserving of credit at the moment I think it's Gabriel the way he's come into the team has been has been excellent so it's a shame almost that 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 we're not sort of benefiting from his presence enough at the moment um but yeah, as you say, did, did you did anything stand out for you in the for the second goal as well? Because I'm before before I'll let you speak and then I'm gonna have another rant about what I really dislike about it.
1: <laughs> um I thought I thought Gabrielle's done tremendously well. Um being yeah. pulled down by one defender, another two quickly uh quickly closing him down there for the header. And he's beaten all, all three of them off, or, or maybe even those four at the time, and he's he's put it he rocketed it in the back of the back of the net. Patricio's not an easy keeper to beat. Um, and I thought he did that really well. Um, I, I can't help but think... Um, sorry, this is going back a tiny bit, out but I, I can't no, help course. but think that, that um, the whole back four, back five thing is 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 somewhat down to a little bit of inexperience from the manager. Um, you've got the fans calling for a back four and a Bamiyang up front. You've got people saying we're not creating enough. We've got people saying this and that and the other, and I can't help but I think he's being swayed by a lot of the pressures surrounding the team uh, and also pressure surrounding the squad size. We've got eight first team defenders in the squad. Um, one of them is capable as center half um, hmm. with, you know, we've, he's got, com- he's got commitment issues from certain players. He doesn't know. He doesn't know who's going to be in the squad one week, who's going to be in the squad the other. Um, we've got too many players, some who aren't good enough knocking on his door, causing him, you know, a bit of pressure. I want to play things like that. And I just think it, it it's not really set up in his, in his best, in his best favor. Um, you know he wants to start a game he wants to know that you know I'm playing my you know does he know his best his best shape best formation or his even best players
0: well this is the thing and, and to you're quite right to take it back to the question of, of Arteta and, and what he's trying to do at the moment because I think you know think about we had the Leicester game and he tried something different there and it was the first time we saw a proper back four really and I know in game you know we switch between a five and a four and a three like you know, very fluidly, but that even that sort of gone out the window. It looks like he's gone to a four, and I, you know, I don't have a problem with that. But I also don't have a problem with a back three, because you know, given you know, I want Arteta to set up based upon the strengths and weaknesses of our team, and I think there's more weaknesses than strengths at the moment. So I think you know what we've realized over the last few months, and why Arteta's done you know, in my view, so well, is because he set up the team to sort of mask the the vulnerabilities posed by. You know the likes of Xhaka, Sabayos, or even Davi Louise, to an extent, put more bodies in and rely on that sort of, you know, the transition and playing out from the back and sort of breaking quite quickly and relying on a Bamiyang's killer instincts in front of goal. But you know, but arguably, well, not arguably, quite clearly, that's not been working as well as you know we might like. And I think, look, I don't, I don't really mind whether it's a four or a five. I think you know, it's, it's more about sort of what we're creating. And and I think we've shown that you, you can create from, from a back three or a back five. And as you say, you know, the worry is, is Arteta sort of going back on his, on his principles, you know, we've seen for the first, you know, basically year or oh no, sorry. After project restart, he, he made the conscious effort or decision to switch to a back five because of the limitations of his midfield options and, just you know the balance of the squad in general. So why now, especially without Thomas Party, has he continued to try and try and do it? Because you know maybe the pressure too much. Maybe he needs to. He feels he needs to show that he can be more flexible and and we can create more. But I think without Thomas Party, you we just don't have the players to play a play a play a back four and a midfield sort of two or three. So yeah, look as you say, it's um, it's worrying to see sort of the the things that we've seen, which have been so positive over the last you know year, over the last three weeks, especially sort of just go out the window a bit. You know, we're looking f- far too vulnerable um, on the counter-attack. Uh, you know, Wolves, Villa, Leicester in the second half. Uh, who else did I say? Aston Villa. You know, four teams that we've played in the Premier League over the last month have really troubled us, just because they can run through us and that comes from you know Thomas Partey not playing because he's been injured and that's been very unfortunate but then if Thomas Partey is not playing you need another body I think in 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 defence and you play a three and you just go back to what works and it's not very enjoyable we don't get many chances but we're not getting any chances at the moment so you know I I don't doubt and we'll, we'll talk about this briefly we'll touch upon it but you know, head of Spurs uh, at the weekend, I, I have no doubt in my mind that it's, it, it should be and it probably will be a, a, a classic big game setup from Arteta with a back three, like we did against, you know, against Chelsea and City in the FA Cup run, like we've done against the big teams, because, you know, at the moment, we don't have the personnel to, to set up in a way where I think we can we can implement a degree of sort of personality on the game. And, and I think that's what we're losing touch with. And that's really worrying, at least when... You know, it was Jaka and Sabayas in the centre of the team. We sort of saw how we were playing, and and it worked. It wasn't pretty, but it worked at points. And now we're trying maybe a bit too much with with not enough on the pitch. But, um, yeah. Just before I ask you about the general impression of your of the second half, I just want to go back on on the second goal. And again, it's Adama Traoré, who again gave us all sorts of problems. But you know, he has he's he's we have actually, I, I don't know if you remember, we're sort of, we're in a promising position in attack. So we've got Saka down the left and he tries to play it into Aubameyang and, and loses the ball. One pass out to Traore, again, on the right-hand side. He's sort of deep in his own half. Tierney pushes right up to him, doesn't get the ball, and then Xhaka's on him. And Traore does very well, to be fair, to turn away from him. But, you know, of all the times we've seen Jacker make stupid fouls, you think, well, make a, make a tactical foul now, bring him down. Traore tri, manages to wiggle out of out of the challenge, plays a pass through, and then it's three on three. Sabahis has caught bull watching. It's three on three. It's far too easy to to get through us. Pedro Neto has all the time in the world to sort of get to the edge of our box. Takes a shot, slightly deflected, but again, I think Leno could do a bit better. He parries it into the danger zone, and maybe that's being a bit harsh because I don't like the first goal as well. But, you know, and and then we see more bull watching, um... To be fair, Pedence does very well to flick it over Gabriel and, and finish. So I don't really have a problem with that. That was that was excellent. But you know, in the build up to the goal, I think we're just, we're just where's the where's the defensive alertness? Where's the you know, where's the where's the tactical sort of discipline and positioning? And you know, so much of what Arteta's done well is to 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 minimize the spaces between the defense and midfield and make sure that these you know players who aren't athletic enough. Are closest together, so people can't run through us. And it just seems like, you know, we've forgotten that. So anything you, you want to add on that before I ask you about the second half?
1: Um, yeah, uh, yeah, there's a few things. Um, so with any football team, um, you know, you're led by your captain. The foot, You know, it starts from the front. Uh, the balls come through to Saka. He's tried to play an early one to Aubameyang. For whatever reason, they miscommunicated. It didn't work. They played out. You know, from then you know, there's no, there's no real shape. It's a, it's a, it's a fastball into Traore on the right. He does well to get past Tierney. I think it's almost a, a roulette or a McGeeley spin. He's done through both of yeah, them. There. Yeah, yeah. And I was, I mean, I, I assume you probably were too. I was screaming at the TV, bring the guy down. You know, you've got to take him down, take a booking mm. there. You stop play, you get back into shape and you know, you can set up again. Um, no one's brought him down there. He's wriggled through. Maybe it's because he was all awed up and, not <laughs> before the game, uh, maybe a bit slippery and whatnot. But he's come through. Ball into Neto. I mean, he's had a good 10 seconds to to shoot. You could tell he was never gonna pass it. He had a few good seconds to shoot. Uh, you know, he's taken a touch deflection. I I'm gonna say maybe you're a little bit harsh on Nano for that one. Mm. Uh it did take a deflection, not always easy for a keeper. He's hit it with some some venom there. Um, And then, I mean, you've got to look at the quality of pole I didn't know he had that in his locker, to be quite honest with you. I think over Gabriel. Could have easily gone down as well. Yeah. uh, Was was calm enough to find the finish. Um, Mm, I think, could the keeper have done better? Maybe, maybe. Uh, I don't think Gabriel could have done any more. It's a brilliant bit of skill. But I think, you know, what we used to be seeing in the last couple of games, we'd lose the ball. Uh, And then we get into that sort of shape of two banks of four, Behind, you know, yeah. behind the ball sort of thing. Absolutely. I didn't really see that the other game. And I was thinking about the shape in the back four and the back five. And I can't really remember us winning a game with the four as of yet. And with the back five, you know, all the big wins we've had have been on the counter. I feel like we struggle to be in possession almost. It's like yeah, we get a bit of time, we get a bit of possession on the ball and suddenly it's like, you know, oh, what are we are going to do with it? We used to playing out and a fast counter attack, a ping over the top to a yang on the left or, or mm. anything, I feel like we almost get sort of a bit out of our depth. Um, I see you went about you said about Sabio's and 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 there are, I think what what uh, the word that comes to mind when I think of Sabas and Jacker is is being a bit uh, sort of immobile. Um, <laughs>
0: Literally took took the word out of my mouth, mate.
1: Uh, it's like that you know you play one through the middle and you split them and it's not easy. You know I remember a point where Sabio's was the recovery man. You know he'd lose it, and he'd be so tenacious. He'd win it back. He'd start, you know, play another through ball and everything. Um, Mate, you know, even yeah. I remember Tottenham. You know, we got Tottenham on the weekend. I remember Tottenham last year. It was a him and a Jack in midfield, and I couldn't help but think, you know, you know, is he going to play another penetrative pass? Will you know? I'm not worried that he's not going to win that back after. Um, but I, I guess we're looking a shadow of our former self. Um, the energy, there's sort of like a, you know, with the Thomas party in midfield, you have got someone that's going to break, try and make things happen. He's never going to be a number ten, but. You know, he's trying to make things happen. And, and you know, dare I say, even with Mo and Eni in midfield, uh, there's even a bit more energy and a bit more something going on. But mm. um, I just think that second goal, it was it was a well-worked goal. You you know, you've got to give credit where credit's due. Podence has done very well. Um, yeah. He should have been closed down. Um, P- uh, Neto should have been closed down. It, but, you know, if you look at that as a whole goal, um, Podence has done well at the end, but it's, it's you know, it's two errors. It's, it's should not, taken down. yeah. Someone get close yeah. to Neto, go
0: on, sorry. It's not about the, you know, it, it, they deserve the goal, given that it was a good finish, but they shouldn't be allowed to get into that position. Someone's got to bring Traore exactly. down. If Tierney, if Tierney's pressing up against Traore, you know, fair enough, if he can't bring him down or whatever. But then if is literally pushing up as well and leaving the space in behind, I'm sorry, bring him down. I don't care. Yeah, like Take the booking. If, he, if he's too slippery, chop him. Take the booking. <laughs> But then, so he does that and, you know, completely sort of negates the space in behind, which is very dangerous. And we saw why. So Bios and I'm, you know, I, I maybe again, I'm latching onto it because I didn't like what he did in the first goal, but he is literally, I'm, I'm watching him. As soon as Traore gets the ball and Jaka's pushed up, so Bios is sort of in line with them, just watching the ball and not anticipating that Traore gets away from Jaka and literally splits splits them as you said and then Neto has a free run. Spurs is nowhere to be seen and like you say there's no banks of four, no sort of, you know, we don't get into shape well enough. They kill us on the transition yet again. And, you know, it's it's eerily rem- reminiscent of of late late Wenger and and Emery towards the end of his his tenure where these players just look incredibly vulnerable and, you know, their limitations and flaws are exposed. And I think the a large part of what Arteta's done so well is is make these you know, flawed players—they're not—you know—they're not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. But he's set up to minimize the flaws and the vulnerabilities. And you know, it's not pretty and it's not sustainable, but it's what we need to do. And I do think maybe there's something in the fact that you know Thomas Partick comes in and, and you can see immediately that he he, he is his he head and shoulders above Sabas and Jacker really, and he comes in and. You know, he he didn't he didn't quite get into the game against Leicester, but that that was, you know, Arteta trying something out in the first half and it didn't really work. You know, Xhaka and Sabios were on the ball far too much, being way too pedestrian. And then he has that great performance against United. And even in that game against Villa first half, I think he was our best player, and then he goes off injured. So then you're thinking, right, well, like we're going back to Xhaka and Sabios or or El Nenny or or whatever. And I think, you know. It can't be it can't be forgotten. I mean, I'm sure Jaka and Sabas are very aware that their positions in the team are are basically dependent on whether Thomas Partey is fit because <laughs> you know he 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 does he, you don't need them, they become irrelevant when Partey's in the midfield. And so when we've started to try and make that transition to the back four, it's so dependent on Partey being in the midfield and then he gets injured. So then I think you need to revert back to what was working. And I don't think you can push on until you have Partey back. And maybe that's testament to sort of the our dependence on Partey and, you know, whether that's sustainable or not. But I think you've just got to be a bit smart. And I think Arteta is a smart coach, but I don't... It, it worries me that, you know, everyone's sort of... Co- I don't want him to listen to fans or, or pundits saying, we're not creating enough chances. That shouldn't matter. That doesn't bother me when I'd rather see that and us be solid and maybe get one or two good chances a game than be cut through and on the transition, you know, I, I, I don't mind that. And, and when we have the personnel back, Partey and arguably Pepe, and I know it's, it's always a case of, well, when they come back, then it will be fine and maybe it won't be like that. But I just think seeing how we've been dominated and made to look incredibly vulnerable against Villa, against Leeds, and now against Wolves and arguably Leicester, you know, sort of, they knew exactly how to play against us. It, it's it's really there's nothing really to latch onto that's that's encouraging, but I don't know what you make of that.
1: Um, I mean, in terms of the two midfielders, um, you know, I can see a difference obviously with the party and uh, and when we play different shapes. But going back to that goal there, I, I've sort of identified something that's quite clear. You know, uh, Tierney loses the first one; he goes past him. So then Xhaka is drawn out wide. Okay, now Xhaka's is not the sort of player you want with any width on any football pitch ever um <laughs> you don't want it you don't want him wide you want him in the middle you know uh trying to break up play and whatnot so he's come wide and unfortunately again he's lost it due to a lack of mobility or whatever and I couldn't help but feel the party was out there even if he did get round him you know he's still got that energy that you know to, mm. to do a bit more you know I feel like Sabayos was getting drawn out and that left a massive gap really straight down the middle of the pitch you know he made mm. Fabio Silva look a far better player than well, I don't know if he's that amazing player, but he far better player than I thought he was yeah. specifically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the two wide men they had, uh, I think, Espirito Santos just said to them, "Run at them, run at them, and get crosses into the box." Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. Ar- arguably, we've got you know, we play Bamiang on the left, we play Pepe, we play William on the right. I've got better players than them at wide, but I don't think I saw a single penetrative run from any of those wide men. You know, try and take someone on, make something happen. There's a there's a degree of predictability about our forward play you know that that you know you can tell what we're going to do it's going to go wide nothing's going to really come down the middle there's no sort of player that's going to you know flick a switch is going to pull a pass is going to you know make something happen and I, and I think that is what's making us very predictable to uh, to play against as a team um with a back five I guess we're, we're defensively more sound which allows us to be a little bit more unpredictable on the counter when are we going to go where are we going to stick are we going to twist um, but I think with a four, it's just so predictable. It's like you play a couple of fast guys up front, you go there, you be physical, and you win the game at the Emirates, and it's it's disappointing.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, let's get on to the second half because I think this is where no, yeah. <laughs> you know, you talk about the first half and we and we talk about, you know, the the sort of sloppiness in defense and and how that's uncharacteristic of the of the of the setup and the team and the style and identity that we've seen under Arteta for the last year. We don't concede many sloppy goals. We're sort of very disciplined. We get back into shape. So the first half, I think, was more alarming, in the sense that you know we we saw the things that we haven't seen for a while, and we've been they've been creeping in actually, you know, against Villa and against Leeds. But then the second half was very predictable you know we, we we don't know how to attack effectively I don't know if you saw a pass map which is really worrying to see like it's all out wide we, we tried to stick in like 30 plus crosses you know so arguably you know to be fair Aubameyang had a great chance maybe should have scored but you know there's no play through the middle it's all down the sides it's very predictable as you say and yeah so in the second half you know as I say, Abamiang had that that great header, head of chance. Saka had a bit of a half chance. Bellerin got put in behind. I'm not sure about the ball in. Saka sort of gets caught in two minds. He sort of goes with his side foot his side of his foot. Maybe he should have headed it, maybe he should have, I don't know what he could have done, but it was almost a half chance. Um, and in a game of such fine margins, you know, we think of, and this is something I think is also important. We we talk about a whether it should be central, left, whatever. He has that, he has that header, which I think he's got, he, I think he's got a score. But then I also think, well, he's had 23 touches in the whole game, less than Leno, like Lacazette, like Willian, they don't have enough touches. The ball doesn't come to them enough. So when they finally do get the chance, you know, it's almost as if they, they haven't, they haven't got themselves into the game. They haven't, you know, they haven't got enough service and it's all well and good talking about us not having enough shots and not having not creating enough chances. But the reason we're not doing that is because the ball is not getting into those areas. And that's more about, you know, how important Partey is. He sort of can progress the ball and, you know, move forward up the pitch. And we, you know, Saka does it to an extent, but, you know, he's too young. We can't have already such a burden on Saka to do that. And, you know, when they get that chance, it's like that is the only chance they're going to get throughout the game. And And we saw that in the second half. Aubameyang had that that header he's not getting any touches let alone chances or goals so you know we're a poor attacking team but it's not necessarily about the attackers because they're all underperforming it's about they're not having the chances or the or the touches or the or the opportunities to 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 you know feel themselves into the game I don't think we'd be worried if Lacazette or Willian or Aubameyang were having loads of chances and missing them you know that would be a lot better than than them just not getting the ball but um, yeah, do you have anything quickly to add on on our attacking player before I before I talk
1: quickly um, about, about? I just think Mifia it's a degree. Of, I think it's just a degree of trust, really. Um, you know, if you want to set up and play central and play a bit more direct, it's to do with trust. It's trusting your players have got the ability. You know, maybe he doesn't trust the midfielders to play it centrally, and instead we go wide. We, we you know they they stay back. We go wide, and then we only commit the two wingers and a striker forward. Uh, I agree with what you said on Bamiang, You know, if he does only get that one chance, it's a bit like, you know, he might, may snatch at it because he's barely touched the ball the whole game. But then, on the other hand, do you look at either the striker to be more imposing, demand the ball, you know, he's the captain for, for you know, for us as well. Mm. You know, should he be demanding it a bit more? Or is it sort of, we're just not playing to his strengths? It's sort of, when he was out no, wide, well, he used to find yeah. spaces in behind through the long We're ball not playing to his, his strengths. E we're not playing to his strengths
0: exactly we're not and I think that you know that long ball sort of playing out from the back and switching it that worked, but it got found out and we haven't been able to develop that since then that's why Aubameyang was so effective sort of back end of last season and you know for the like the first game this season when he scored that goal against Fulham but it's we're not playing to Aubameyang's strengths and you know at the same by the same token like look but Wolves played a back four and they you know they obviously sat in in the second half but it's not like they were playing a five and you know what we decided to do was well because maybe we didn't have the we don't have the players in the middle of the pitch and we don't have the players in the middle of the pitch but you know we're crossing it in and we're not even trying to go for the pullbacks or anything like that we we're crossing it in for headed goals and it's like we don't Bamiang's not strong in the air uh Lacazette has had a few headed chances previously. If he if he's the one who has that chance and he misses it like Aubameyang did, we're absolutely killing him for it. And you know, again, that's testament to the sort of bias against Lacazette because the chances that our forward players are getting both actual chances and opportunities, but then also the sort of play that they're involved in does not suit the strengths at the moment. Like Aubameyang is best when he's, you know, on the transition, likewise with Pepe. Lacazette needs someone to sort of play in He's to play one-twos with, you know, someone running in behind. You know, for example, Willock, and I don't think it's quite there, but Lacazette played his best football for Arsenal with, with Ozil and Ramsey. He could sort of, you know, take the ball and then someone like Ramsey is running forward and getting into the space. Because when Lacazette drops deep, there's no one running in behind. And so he just looks like, you know, he's a waste and it's a shame because obviously Lacazette's in, in terrible form. But when all of our attacking players are playing so badly and underperforming, it's obviously something to do with the system. I don't think we're blind to that. But, you know, and I think a big part of that is obviously in the midfield. And we started to see with Thomas Partey sort of take, seizing the initiative and and people would be giving the ball, would be driving forward. And, you know, I, I was excited and am excited to see him sort of try and link the attack and midfield a bit more because that's obviously what we're lacking severely. But Xhaka and Sabayos in this sort of setup, he's sort of giving them the ball and, and trying to ask them to be the protagonist and drive the team forward. It, it's a real really painful watch because both of them and uh, you know Xhaka has been pretty pretty terrible these last few games but Sabayos as well has looked just as bad really if I'm honest as Xhaka like they're so slow and predictable so passive in midfield and we everyone knows that you know midfield is a big problem and that's why we splashed out you know 50 million euros on a 27 year old to, to improve it straight away and we're very unfortunate that Partey suffered that thigh injury but you know, in general, Arsenal are such an easy team to play against at the moment. You know, we were becoming a bit more of a tough team to play against. You know, we're not conceding goals and getting into those banks of four and being really rigid and defensively aware. And we weren't posing much threat going forward. But now we're not posing any threat going forward. And we're not, you know, we're incredibly vulnerable in defence. So there's just no danger. We, we look, as I said, incredibly vulnerable. As we've talked about, we've transitioned into that back four, but you know, without Thomas Partey, who is that linchpin, you know, I don't think you can do the back four without Partey or you can't play midfield two without Thomas Partey. So look, as I said, again, the reason Arteta reverted back to a, reverted to a back five after project restart is because he realized that he doesn't have the players to, to, to sort of, you know, Urzel was out on the cold, he didn't have the players to sort of keep up with the intensity of the Premier League and the vulnerability of the team. And, And now it's just like, well, why are we, why are we trying that now again? when we know that it, it doesn't work. So, look, I think you could even see it in the starting 11 with Traore, Pedense and um, and Neto. Neto, yeah. And then Jimenez as well. You know, Wolves, to be fair, they played a back four, I think it was last week against Palace for the first time ever. But the fact that they played a back four against us with those three attacking players who are all players who can run with the ball, you know, we've got a You can read a lot into how the how your opponents set up and previously our our opponents were setting up with a bit of respect for the team but Wolves you know playing three attacking players who are going to run in behind and run at our our midfield it shows that we're there for the taking and we are so is there anything else um, you want to to want to draw and I think you know we can talk about their sort of threat in those three players and, and you think of who's threatening on our team Saka, Half, Aubameyang, you know, you're obviously thinking about him, but he's not the player who's going to run at defenders. He's not a winger. He's not an attacking player in that sense. He he wants to be on the end of things and and sort of giving the ball at the last step. But we we don't have the first or second or third step at the moment. So is Abamian completely, you know, irrelevant and peripheral, which is sort of what we're seeing at the moment. But yeah, sorry, sorry for, for ranting on. I'll let you get a word in. Um, is right. there anything you'd you'd like to you'd like to add in terms of you know the bigger picture taken away from this game?
1: I mean, in terms of the bigger picture, um, it, it left me a lot to question after the game. You know, I was sitting there with a, a Liverpool fan, a Spurs fan and a Chelsea fan. And, you know, a few of them posed the question to me, you know, do I think our squad is even good enough to, to, to be at the upper echelons of the league or, or not even in there and thereabout? And, you know, for the first time, you know, I'm, I'm a very positive gooner when it comes down to it. But <laughs> yeah, the first absolutely. time I, I looked at him and I said, you know what, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I mean, you look at our vulnerabilities in the market. We've gone, we've gone after Hassim Awar, You know, identified a playmaker as somewhere we needed to strengthen. You know, surely there was who was the number two on that? You know, that list. We didn't get Hassim Awar. Who? You know, who's the next person you go to? You see other teams. If they don't get their first player, they get their second. You know, or if they don't get their second, you know, they maybe even move to their third. So yeah, sorry. As I was saying, um, you know, they don't get their first target, they move to the second. They don't get the second, they move to the third. It's about, it's about. You know, planning, uh, you know, yeah. at the end of the day, football's a business. And if you can't get your first target, there should be alternatives, contingency plans, things like that. You know, mm. it was identified that we needed a playmaker. We didn't get one. We've tried to use what we've got in. And, you know, Willock's a good player and he's got the potential to be a good player. But right now, he's not He's not the player that's going to go and win you, win you games, is he? You know, no. and, and we really, it's, it's a position that, that I just, I can't believe that's been sort of so sort of overlooked. If anything, you know, obviously we've got Ozil and he's been uh, exiled for for whatever reason. But, you know, there is a possibility to bring him back in January, not bring him back as, you know, as our star man, but bring him back into the fold, um, which personally I don't think Arteta will do. I think it's his time's up. But, you know, if we don't go and get someone in January in that sort of attacking midfield position, you can't help but think, what if, you know?
0: Well, I think that's, and that's the... You know, it's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the worrying thing and, and sort of why I think the Ozil saga, you know, the sooner it's done, the better. Because you look at Emery's second or sort of first second year and, you know, where it started to go wrong. As we started to perform a bit worse, he didn't stick with his principles and, and sort of his shape. And he'd exiled Ozil and then he came back in. And I think Arteta made such a big point about or You can't then bring the guy back in because then it's like, well, who, you know, basically all you've been doing, you don't trust yourself to sort of come through the other end. And I do think it's a case of patience. Like you say, I think we're, you know, we're short on that creative player who can, who can come in and carry the ball. Um, but until that point, when you don't have that player, like we have been doing up until now or up until the last few weeks, you've got to play in a different way and, and, and sort of use what you've got and, Look, I'm all for giving Arteta patience, and I think it's a long-term project, and this is what we all signed up for. But, you know, the metrics are are pretty dire at the moment. We're, you know, we're, we're right at the bottom, basically, bottom three in terms of chances created. We haven't scored enough goals. Um, you know, at this game, we had, I think, two shots on target in total. I think one of them was the header. Um, I'm not sure we had any shots on target in the second half. And these this is a common trend now. Um to pick up on every Arsenal game and I know there's all sorts of terrible statistics going on at the moment you know our worst starts of the league uh, in, in pretty much ever since 1981 or something like that you know we've lost five of the last eight league games Arteta lost five in his first 22 as boss so the signs are pretty ominous at the moment and I for one am willing to give it time but I worry that if there's not something that the fans can latch onto that shows a tangible sort of Steadying of the ship, or an improvement going forwards, or even reverting back to sort of what we know works, I do worry that this could spiral out of control because we saw it happen last year. And for all intents and purposes, Emery's not—you know—for all his flaws as a as a manager and as a person, he's not a bad coach. But as soon as he, as soon as he didn't, as soon as he showed his own vulnerability and and sort of going back on his own principles, that's when you've got a lot of issues. And and I I do I really. I, I really don't like the idea of worrying for Arteta, but you know, he's, it looks as if the team has, has lost, it, lost the plot a bit. And I really didn't think um, I'd be saying that because that's sort of not what I expect from Arteta. But yeah, go on.
1: Um, well, I was, I was looking at the squads the other day, had a few spare minutes, was looking at the squads. Um, so the last week, you know, we've had arguably three managers, Freddie, um, Wenger, Emery, in the last two years, three years, whatever. And mm. if you think about it, the crux of the squad, the players we rely on has, has stayed the same. You're still relying on players at Xhaka. You know, fair enough, he wasn't good enough at the beginning. He's re- revitalised. Now he's still you know, showing his, his tendency to, to be sort of lacklustre. Um, mm. You know, we're still using the same crux of that squad. We've still got the holdings in. We've still got the lacazette through the middle. You know, so in terms of what's changed, I don't think too much has changed. I think I think Arteta is being sort of, he's being damaged by what's been done previous, uh, previous to him. And I think he probably knew that when he was, when he got the job, uh, that, you know, that there is a real mess here. There's a real mess here to clean up and you will be held responsible for other people's work. You know, we've only just restructured the club in terms of the hierarchy. You know, now we Mm -hmm. actually know who goes where, whether or not they do a good job is another question. Um, but another interesting point. I was um I was watching um a YouTube. It was a Tifo in the Athletic. It was the uh, mm. Athletics Arsenal correspondent speaking about Kroenke, uh, speaking about the owners, and he yeah. was basically saying since 2018 was when they had full uh, ownership of the club, and then since then they've actually put money in. So and, mm. and you know Arteta was a big thing for them. They wanted a backer project. They wanted a backer, uh, you know, someone who's not gonna not gonna go after a year, uh, or after three seasons like hopefully Mourinho tends to do. But um <laughs> so I think that Arteta is going to be backed. You know, it's the 1st of December. Uh, Your yeah, 1st of December today. One month till the transfer deadline. You know, I sp- I saw Ornstein speaking that we've already underway with our targets. So, where, you know, with all this and, you know, there's a sudden bit of optimism a January transfer window, what can we do? Um where do- where does the buck stop with you? Al? Where 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 does where does the where's the line drawn? Where when where, you know we lose to Spurs on the weekend. It is going to be toxic. As much as I love the Arsenal fan base, I hate it. Also, mm. at the same time, mm. it is going to be incredibly toxic. Obviously, uh, obviously, we hope that isn't the case, and we do him five 0 Yeah, but that is not always the case. Where does the buck stop with you, Alf? Then, where you know, where where do you Look, say enough's enough? I
0: there's a few things I want to say. So, first of all, I don't think I've Ever been less confident going into a North London derby? And I know we could, <laughs> I, I know we could revert back to the system that works, but I just don't think we have it in us to score a goal or 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 win. And maybe that's me being really negative, but you know, I, I, like you, I'm a very positive Arsenal fan. I, I I trust in in the people who who have brought good things to the club. So you know, I my 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 loyalty and and trust towards Arteta is 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 strong enough to say. I don't care that we're not going to be very good this year, and I agree that it's really difficult. And I think Arteta's in a really difficult position because he's done so well up until this point to 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 steady the ship and instill, you know, values and procedures and and in-game sort of, you know, uh, facets of our style that have been lacking for so long at Arsenal, and I feel really sorry for him because like you said he's not under any illusions and he's said it before and he sort of stopped saying it more recently he does not have the team that he wants he does not have the individuals he wants as you quite rightly point out this team is still relying upon so many of the voices the 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 the, the, the influences that have that have dominated our sort of stagnation and, and decline over the last few years and therefore you know it's it we need to have a few windows. And like you say, it is quite promising that, you know, the Cronkies have, you know, they put measures in place for the Pepe signing, whether or that was the right deal to do. You know, <laughs> prob- probably not. We overpaid not. for it. But, you know, seeing the the tangible shift of, you know, they, they summed up the money for Thomas Party, They've re- readjusted or, or changed the way the stadium debt's been paid. So they're putting, you know, they're, they're, they're showing that they are backing the project, they're backing Arteta. And like you say, Arteta is paying paying big time at the moment. I think for you know the the absolute chaos of of off field decision making. You know, you look at the complexion of our squad and the transfers and the players. It's it's still very much an Arsene Wenger you know squad. It's still very much a, an Unai Emery squad and a, and a Raul Sanjay built orientated and Gazidis. All these play, all these figures who have jumped ship. They're nowhere to be seen now. And so can we really expect, you know, we, we've brought in Thomas Partey who we haven't really seen yet, which is a shame. I think things would be perhaps a bit different with him in the team. Gabrielle's made a great impression. Ann signing is a, is a different story. And I think, you know, everyone has, has their own feelings about that, but it's going to take a lot of time and I am willing to give it time. But like you say, plenty of Arsenal fans do not have that patience and, rightly so, you know, the manager's there to be criticised and when he's not getting enough out of the players he's got on the pitch, then where does the buck stop? I would like to think the buck stops with not even a case of where the buck stops. I want to give him time because that's what I signed up for. You don't give no, a job to to a guy who's, you know, never been a manager before and expect him to, I don't know, improve things dr- dramatically and that's what he did, really. Um, you know, I I want to give him time. I want to give him January and whether we get, you know, someone like in or or another player or, you know, we wait until the summer and we wait until we get a couple of our injured players back. But I don't think really, as much as you can and rightly so should judge Arteta and our team on the performances, I also think we need to step back and realise that there are an incredible sort of host of mitigating circumstances, both you know, players-wise, without Thomas Partey, um, you know, Nicola Pepe injured and I, I mean suspended. I know he wasn't doing doing the business beforehand, but there are a lot of mitigating circumstances, yeah. both on and off the pitch at the moment. So I just think like, give give the man some time. And I, I accept we might not have a great season. I think perhaps the minimum of this squad. You know, everyone was sort of with their optimistic hats, like you said before. Oh, we we can qualify for the Champions League this year. Yeah, no no issues. I think we're realising quite quickly that this 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 team is not capable of that and unfortunately that that would be okay really if we haven't have given you know spent on certain players who are so short term so it shows that we're so dependent on it coming good in the short term. So you think of Aubameyang's you know new 300 grand contract a week you think of Thomas Partey signing for forty-five million pounds on you know two hundred fifty grand a week or there or thereabouts. Think of Willian signing a two hundred grand a week, two-year, three-year deal. Three year, yeah,
1: yeah, three-year deal. It's
0: like these play; these are players that you're sort of banking on on delivering instant success, whilst also blooding in these youngsters. And it just looks like a we're seeing the the real bad side of that at the moment because it's not working. Um, but look. Self,
1: um- on an on a optimistic sorry on a sorry to bite in there. now an optimistic no, no, side note, though if there's one thing that as an arsenal fan we know about the derby it's that form is nothing form means absolutely nothing going into a london derby we've seen times when we've been you know near enough to the top of the league and, and gone and lost away at white hart lane 2-3-1 you know poor and poor performances and it's just whether or not you know this is sunday's either going to be a turning point we're either going to do, we're going to do them and get, I mean, it's very optimistic, but we're either going to do them and it's going to be an absolute turning point, a place to, a place to start again, or we lose. And I'd love to know where you think we go from then.
0: (laughs) I just, I I, honestly, and I, and I just don't, I don't see it happening. I, I can't, and I know you say form is sort of out the window, but I don't think it's even a question of form with us. I think it's about the players and the, and the, the, the capacity for for to play a decent game of football i think is you know for us to be good is the the margin for 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 us to win a game like it was against united i know we were pretty impressive that day but you know we scored from a penalty it's like we don't create enough chances we're reliant upon being defensively solid which we are i just don't see it happening but as you say a win maybe it changes the dynamic a bit you know then maybe thomas party comes back Hopefully, a bit sooner than we maybe anticipate. You know, Pepe then back the game after next. We sort of There's find no out a way. Play. There's no easy games. There's no easy games. But you know, I think what we I, I want to see a, I want to see a team that is reminiscent of the of the cup teams, maybe um, or the team that you know played quite well against Liverpool. Maybe I want to see uh, you know the likes of El neni I, I want to see start perhaps with. I don't know, Xhaka or Sabah. is was really a toss up. They're Ainsley, both as bad as each other at the moment. Yeah, I mean I'd probably I'd probably want to see. I mean, I don't know if David Louise would be allowed to play, but I think actually I'd probably want to see holding Gabriel and Tierney as a back three. I'd want to see Bellerin. I'd want to see Maitland Niles in the game against Spurs. And then I'd want to see El Nenny and probably Xhaka or Sabah. Just so you've got a bit more athleticism in there with Maitland Niles yeah, I'd want to see. That. Then I'd probably want to see. Aubameyang back on the left, Lacazette up top, and Saka down the right, or something like that. Or you have Willian down the right, Aubameyang down the middle, and uh, you know Saka down the left. But that's sort of what I want to see. But I do think it's really difficult for us to, you know, we need to see something to latch onto. And a lot of people are clamoring for, a, you know, a, a, an improvement in an attacking sense. And I don't think they're unreasonable to, to sort of do that because. It's not even that we've been all right in the attacking sense and we want to be like really good. It's that we've been terrible and the metrics suggest it and the performances suggest it. So I think that is the thing that we need to be patient for, but also like we just do need to see a bit more. And I think that's the difficulty the Arteta has. Does he go for it? But then he doesn't have the players to go for it. And then the whole, you know, the, the all all, he's, all the things he's worked so hard on defensively sort of go out the window and and does it does he wait for Partey to come back to try and do that? I don't know, but it's a really difficult one. So look, we've got Spurs on the weekend. And uh just before that, I want to ask you if you've got any final thoughts just about the Wolves game or prior to the Spurs game or about Arteta or fan sentiment just before we wrap up today, because we could go on for, for a lot longer. But I think you know there's only so much we can we can do in one sitting. So any final thoughts? From you, Freddie. um,
1: yeah, uh, yeah. I was, I mean, I, I took a browse at the table as well recently, and yeah. I think something that could work in Arteta's favor, you know, obviously a win, we'd all love a win, <laughs> um, uh, um, but you know, we although we are sitting, sitting pretty deep in the table 13 points, I believe it is.
0: You know, two wins, two
1: wins, two wins takes you there, there about. You know what I mean? It's very close up there at the top. And I'm not saying we're going to get two wins and go and win the league. Don't get me wrong. I'm never, I'm never saying that right now. Um, but, you know, a win or two and, you you know, it's very tight in the table. You can look up. But again, unfortunately, this season better than ever. I don't know if it's the lesser teams improving more or us just getting worse or having a sudden... Sort of realization of that we're not as good as we thought we were, but all the other teams, you know, really having a go this year. You look at your Brightons, you look at your Southamptons. You've, you know, West Ham tip for relegation. Signed two players in the summer, uh, right back from Sparta Prague, and I, I can't even remember. Uh, and Ben Rama from um, Brentford. from Brentford, you know, and suddenly they look like a side. You know, Clueless Moises suddenly got a hold of the reins, and he's doing, you know, he's doing a job there. Uh, and it, and you know. They've not, they've not. got a better team than us. They've not got a better team than us. But I think it's well, also it's playing with a little bit of confidence. It's playing with a little bit of belief that they're going to win. You know, they've well, got a couple this, of good results yeah. and the tides turn. Gone,
0: Alf. This is this is the thing, and and this was I don't know if you you listened to the, the most recent Askcast, um, but when we, you know, we we're, I think we all accept that we we don't have the team that we think we do. But when you do compare it to certain other teams player for player, you'd like to think that we're a bit better. And maybe it's a case of re reanalyzing that because there's definitely quite a few midfielders from those sort of teams that you mentioned that would probably start over certain players in our supposed strongest lineup at the moment. But yeah, like you say, the table at the moment, I'm not paying too much attention to because, you know, it's it's the, it's the case of five points between us and fifth, and it's still very congested. And I the thing that concerns me more, I, you know, I, I don't really mind about... The, the position in the table as much as it's a reflection of where we are at the moment. It's more about the performances. And I think at the beginning of the season, we were saying, well, we weren't, you know, we weren't necessarily getting the, or at least in the bigger games, we weren't getting the the results against Liverpool and City, but we played all right and, you know, could have come away with something. And to be fair, we haven't played that well, actually, throughout the whole Premier League season, because, you know, we got by Sheffield United and West Ham and our wins was always slightly through the skin of our teeth. So, you know, it is worrying to see us not really performing that well in the league, bar the United game, really. Um, so that's sort of what I want to see. But do I trust the players to turn it around? Do I know that the manager can can pick these this group of players up again, like he did this time last year, pretty much? And you know, I I, I don't know. I really don't know. And and that's what worries me um, because I want I want to say give Arteta time, but you know, if we're if we're getting to you know a month's time after the Christmas period and we've what I don't know lost another you know three four five games, then then you're really thinking right, this is this is pretty dire. And what do we do? Do you just ride so, it out? And I, I'd be tempted to say you just if it, even if it gets really bad, I think you just, just give it a chance. Like you just got to yeah. go through this. I I think we've all backed Arteta and the club have really sort of gone big on the idea of Arteta and the project. So you've got to stick to your guns and and stick to it and back the manager. And I think we've seen enough from the manager and enough from the, how he's, he's got what he's got out of these players to, to, to merit his, his patience in him. But yeah, final, final thoughts from you before we wrap up today, Um
1: Not really too much to add there. I, I, you know, I agree with what you just said and it's, you know, I'm going to go into this game. I'm going to go and be optimistic. We're gonna set up in a back five, I hope, for Spurs this weekend. And I think we're gonna frustrate them. You know, Mourinho's gonna come out and attack, and he wants a win. He he's gonna to want to win more than anyone in this game. Mm-hmm. You know, a win for them. He'll win over the fans completely. Um, but you know, I just hope I'm hoping that we can, you know, can sort it out, Arteta. I believe he's the right man, and I believe he can. Um, what do you think? Yeah. What's your prediction for the weekend now? In your, you know, being your optimistic self.
0: With my optimistic hat on. Oh <laughs> god. Um... Look, I think Spurs also are a team who who like to, to like to not have the ball and attack on the transition. But I think they're probably gonna have the ball more than us on Sunday, which I don't know whether it's a good or, good or bad thing, but at least that will probably force us to, to to resume our our disciplined approach and shape. So I think it will be quite a tight one. And I wouldn't be surprised if it if it if it's a draw. I honestly can't say that I see us winning. Um you know, I, think, I look back to the United game and I think the only reason we won that game was because of a brilliant midfield performance from Thomas Partey, really. And I know nenny was great alongside him and, you know, we were solid and all of that, all of the rest of it. But when our, when we're not giving the service to the attacking players, I don't know. Who knows? It's a derby, anything can happen, but I'm, I'm not optimistic. I'd go for a draw and I think Spurs are favourites, unfortunately. But what about you? Just just before we wrap up today, um, uh, yeah, score prediction. With also my
1: optimus, uh, op- uh, optimistic hat on. I'm going to go for a 1-0 Arsenal win. You've got to back the boys. You've got to back the team. I love I think that. we're going to frustrate them. And you know what? I, you know, you might text me in a week's time Alf, and say, God, were you wrong? Or you might text me and say, <laughs> you absolute beauty. All right? Uh, but you've got to back the team and I'm, I'm going to go for a 1-0.
0: Love that. Love that. Well, look. I think we've been we've been going for more than an hour and a half, so testament to how much there is to talk about. Um, but 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 thanks thanks a lot, Freddie, for joining us on the podcast today. I'm, I'm sure we'll have you back later on in the season. So um, yeah, thank thanks for your time. It's been a thank pleasure. Thank you very much. I hope you've enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, look, there'll be another episode of that sums it all up. Hopefully, out later this week, if not next week. Um, Johnny Rosen and I will be on. I think prior to the Spurs game, we're going to be we're going to be talking about, you know, it's coming up to almost a year of Arteta. So as Freddie and I have done today, you know, we focus a lot on the game, but go into the bigger, bigger picture a bit. And maybe we'll save that for another time, but yeah, we'll have another guest, hopefully another new guest on next week to talk about (laughs) the fallout of the Spurs game. Um, (laughs) Let's see how that conversation goes. But look, Arsenal fans, uh, there'll be plenty of content on this podcast in the upcoming weeks with the fixtures coming thick and fast and plenty to talk about. So, As always, thanks for listening. Uh, You know where to find these shows on Fresh Air Radio's website or Mixcloud, my Mixcloud. And yeah, that's it for today. So thanks for listening. Until next time, take care and goodbye.